Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you recently handled a case where one brother was suing his two brothers, your clients. What happened? Well, Dennis, the two brothers struggled but succeeded to build three restaurants. But when the third brother returned from being out of the country for 20 years, he sued to get one-third of their business. He claimed an oral deal between them because he had once worked as a cook for them. So what did you do? Well, during trial, we got him to acknowledge certain key dates and to his complete lack of documentation. So when his side rested, we asked the court for what's called a directed verdict, a motion that gets rid of a case after fatal facts come out during trial. And the court agreed, shooting down all but one of the brothers' causes of action. And we settled that one for a very small amount and excused the jury. And justice was done. My friends, you know that I trust Barack Lurie with my own business and other legalities. So to make sure a deal is done right, call him for your own legal issues at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Park, 866-575-8111. This is the Brucklery Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in with me, my good friend, producer Ari David. Always a pleasure. Uh, we're going to stray off topic a little bit, but not much uh, from the ones we do uh, very often. And we're going to be talking a lot of today about art. Art is meaningful, of course. I love art. I just, I'm so deep into art. And it means a lot to me. But I have... And I hope I'm not offending anybody, but frankly, I, I guess I don't care. I have contempt for modern art, at least most of modern art, what some people call contemporary art uh, or otherwise. And when I talk about modern art and contemporary art, uh, here is the visual that I have. I have the visual, rightly or wrongly, of a canvas that is entirely orange, okay, with a dot in the center, and then some, and maybe a signature of the, of the actual painter. Or, better yet, just a blank canvas, or a black canvas, or a canvas with a, an X on it somewhere. Or, more elaborately, uh, a, a, a sculpture of a woman, uh, a policewoman, uh, bending down in the posture of urinating, and you see the, uh, a puddle that appears to be like urine, okay? That's what I consider, in my mind, to be a lot of what we see in modern art and contemporary art. So much of it is designed to shock. So much of it is designed to show uh, difference for difference's sake, to be radical, to convey an image of rebelliousness, what have you, or to show simplicity in its own way. Um, in the Los Angeles Museum of Contemporary Art, I believe, LACMA, um, there is a huge rock. That's right, a big boulder. And that is considered a piece of art. To which I say, no, it is not. It is a, it's, a, it's just a friggin' boulder. Now, Prager University did a fantastic um, uh, course on this, one of their five-minute videos. And it was about art, exactly what we're saying here. That, and, and the professor who spoke about art said very well. He said in the old days, uh, people would make art out of a boulder. And today, 
the boulder is the art, right? I mean, it's, it's, so, it, uh, it's so disturbing to see how there's nothing of, of meaning here whatsoever. Okay, so uh, there's a lot to talk about this. I, the reason why art is such a big deal for me and, and should be, and I know it is for you, Ari, and it should be for all of our listeners, is that it is emblematic, that's right, emblematic of the issues that we face today. It is emblematic of the dissent in our own culture. So, and what do I mean by that? I mean that art in the old days, before contemporary art, what we consider contemporary art, had an uplifting connotation. It, it, it wasn't art unless it conveyed a very powerful idea. And yes, it could be a serious idea. It could be a historical moment. It could be a biblical moment. It could be um, a, a, a love of nature. But in all respects, it was ascendant. It was an, uh, the notion that, uh, of, of trying to find something to evoke an idea that helps us reach God a little bit, right? And I don't see that now. I don't see that in the boulder that, I, that I'm talking about or the blank canvas. I had a good friend of mine who was with me, and she had uh, she'd taken me to the Museum of Contemporary Art, and we literally saw these blank uh, canvases or monochrome canvases, and I saw people staring at it. And so was she. And I said, what does this mean? What does this do for you? What, 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 what is the purpose of this? And they all say the same thing. She wasn't the only one. I, I heard other people say something similar. She said, I don't know. It just, it's the way it makes me feel for the moment. Okay, what does it make you feel? Orange? <laughs> does it make you feel blue? Does it make you feel like a dot in the center of a canvas? What, what, how, about is that, how about this? Does it make you feel like you're being fooled? How about that? Because it, it, it's not saying anything. And I'm saying to some extent that it's the emperor who wears no clothes, right? This is, this is kind of an obvious thing. I'm, you and I are yelling this from the treetops, saying this is garbage. It means nothing. In fact, the garbage is more useful than the art that you're producing. And uh, there's a famous story where these, these guys, apparently there was some janitor who had left some garbage. He, was, he needed to move some garbage from one place to the other in, the, uh, in New York. Museum of Modern Art there, and he had left it there in one of these one of these art rooms, I suppose, and um, because it had one of the number signs that they associated with the artwork, it you know the number sign was actually thrown away, and it was right in front of the trash can, <laughs> so all these people went around it, and studied this trash can, and they thought it was brilliant, brilliant, you understand, and they t they talked about how it. it, it uh, it spoke about alienation and simplicity and all these kind of funny notions that were it just it's something that you just had to laugh at. And then sure enough, the janitor comes by and he picks up his trash and he goes on the merry way. And of course, they themselves are so embarrassed, so mortified about their love of this supposed artwork. So why, why do I bring this all up, folks? Um, you may say, well, you don't understand, Mr. Lurie. You're not as deeply involved in this, in the art world. And I'd say, normally speaking, okay, fair enough. But why is it, my friends, that this seems to be only happening in the art world and just about no other area of life, of, of entertainment or otherwise? Uh, music, for example. If you were to do the equivalent of modern art in music, 
you would have, say... Rap, hip-hop. Yeah, well, that's being too generous. No, at least hip-hop and rap have a, have a dance rhythm to it. Okay? No, no. This would be like this. And I'm going to make a sound because it's, you know, we can make sounds here. It'll be this. For five minutes long. Okay? Okay, that's, so that's a trance, that's, trance um, a dance um, uh, rave music. But, but, but no, no, you're giving too, 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 not enough credit to, to rave music. Okay, there's something to it. I, I, I agree, I don't like that music either, but you're, you're giving far too much credit. I'm simply saying, imagine just beating down like this, okay, for five minutes and expecting people to listen to this in a concert. And then after the five minutes is done, everyone stands up and, and just says, bravo. You know, author, author, uh, encore, no less. It's just manly boring, right? You would never expect to see that. How about in movies? The equivalent of that would be... Made uh, in Manhattan. Okay, well, but again, you're giving not enough credit to Made in Manhattan, okay? It would be, I'll tell you what, it's very simple. Anything with Katherine Heigl in it. No, okay. I'm telling you. I know it's you're you're being. No, I'm not. You I'm are telling, being. I saw I saw these movies. Okay. I have children. I see a lot of movies because okay. we don't we can't go out and. No, no, you're not. You're not going where I'm going. Let me let me let me explain, because to truly make it synonymous to modern art, it would be the equivalent of just a bunch of random shots, taking a picture of somebody. Let's say. Uh, walking down the street, and then the next scene, taking a picture of a, uh, a garbage can, uh, or, or you know, just seeing the garbage can float in the air, or a, a plastic bag float in the air, or uh, and the next scene, somebody picking their nose, and then the next scene, somebody uh, changing a, a car tire, the next scene, somebody taking a hike. It would mean nothing. It would be just a bunch of stuff happening, and put it together for an hour and a half or two, and then call it uh, a, a great movie. All right, and and that's that would be the true equivalent, okay? And and I would go crazy. So would you? You would never call it good art, but there it is. That's that would be what, and it would never sell, right? It would nobody would buy a ticket for that movie, nobody. You, you certainly would not expect the millions they would. But it might get an award. One award by the the, the producer himself. So it, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna fly. That would be the equivalent of, of in movies. How about in in uh, in sports, All oh, right. I've I've seen that in sports. I was at a football game live on last Sunday, and I saw that. Well, it would be the equivalent of somebody um, saying, "Okay, well, we're just going to kick the ball around, and no one's going to do anything with it. We're just going to look at the ball, in fact, <laughs> and just marvel at what what the ball is." And then people would say, "Bravo, bravo!" Or ice skating is the example that, that Dennis Prager brought. Um, where it doesn't matter what you do on the ice skating, no matter it, it, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do that triple jump, whatever they call it, with with amazing precision and no bending of the of the knees. No, no, you can just kind of slide on the ice yourself on your butt, and and just wail, and uh, and just you say the Star Spangled Banner, and uh, and consider yourself a great uh, a great performer. Well, the national anthem would get people in trouble in international. Oh, that's right. Skating, no, but so. they, would, they would say it in a, in a Roseanne Bar sort of way. Oh. Okay, whatever. Okay, I mean, maybe. And, and and they would also pee while they're so doing your, it. Do you understand? Your overarching point is that in all of these other forms of media and entertainment, 
and modern, art and modern, art no, yeah. and and other forms of art yeah okay film music etc only the visual arts painting sculpture has descended to the point of structuralist nothing that's right and i'm and one more i'm going to give an example of and you can give more if you like how about books Right? What if you were to do the equivalent? Lena Dunham did that. <laughs> yes, you're right. No, but but it would be even more. It, the book would look something like this: the 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 for for the first chapter, and the next chapter would be and 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 so on, for another you know hundred pages, and then the next chapter would be uh, turtle turtle turtle, and that's it. You know, and then the end, and then expect applause and a, a, a Pulitzer Prize for writing such a great book. Okay. That that would be the true equivalent, but so so why is it, why is it, my friends, that art seems to have this crazy world? It it, it seems like it has it's a sui generis, generis. It's its own entity. It's its own thing, and it, and no one thinks about how to connect it with the other things in life that are so meaningful to us. Music in particular, right? For me, I love music, and you would never uh, entertain tolerate this kind of crap in music that you are tolerating when it comes to modern art. And not only that, but if you don't appreciate this crap, then you're considered a fool. Uh, that, that you're you're a, what, what, a, a Luddite, they would say. Everything about you would be primitive. Yeah, you wouldn't be a Luddite. You'd be basically a, a, someone with no taste, a right. glutton, essentially. Yeah. Luddite is someone who just hates technology. A common man. You know, the, a pedestrian. A peon, yes. A plebe. Well, may I interject a little bit? Because, you know, I know it's your show, but it's clear to me you don't know anything about the modern art world. <laughs> okay. As someone who's experienced it. Oh, right. And what do I mean by that? I mean, you're actually being very unfair in judging modern art with a broad brush. And what's that broad brush? You're judging it based on the elitist scene of modern art. There's a ton of brilliant, wonderful modern art out there, but it's by artists who can't get arrested, as they say in the entertainment business. They can't get into the museum or the high-end gallery business. It's only at the elite gallery level and at the museum level that you see this kind of visual media uh, nihilism, if you will, of, of sorts. I know a bunch of really good artists. In fact, I bought some of their art. Unknown. They can't. They can't get into the scene because they don't know the right people and the right connections. It's. It's a lot like I think the the real analogy to make is it's like talking about modern news media and how at the top, at the elite levels, it's total garbage. Brian Williams today uh, is a perfect example. He's asking a member of the CIA, based on the torture report that came out the other day, are we really any better than ISIS? Okay. Okay, now now what's my example of that? It's because that's a completely inane statement. It's idiocy. It's the equivalent of bad art in the news media. But there's great reporting in modern news media done by people who aren't famous, who aren't at the elite levels. Yeah, okay. But so the, the elite levels has its yeah. own problems. I, 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 I beg to differ. I think it's... Uh, but you can make that same argument with, with every area, with movies, with music. No, at, with, at the oh, major league level of sports, you get great performance. Okay. I'm not talking about that, Ari. I'm talking about movies, music... And sports, for that matter, you just get better and better performance in the elite level, and, and that's you're arguing my point for me. And the point is that 
uh, as you get into the elite level, you expect to have high professionalism. Yes. Okay. So ice skating, football playing, basketball playing, these guys are good. Okay. The basketball players on, on the Clippers or any professional team are going to be a hell of a lot better than any high school team out there. Okay. That, let's face it. Absolutely. Same thing with football. Same thing with uh, uh, rugby. Whatever it is that, that, that floats your boat. Now, likewise, in music, it, music tends to uh, the quality, high quality music tends to get recognized, and floats to the top, uh, and, and that's that's the way it is. Now, are all people who um, are really great get the attention that they deserve? No, but by and large, people who are uh, are are on the top, they they either have a really great sound, a very unique sound, or at the very least, they're poppy enough that appeals to a lot of a lot of people. Okay, but you you just don't have that in the art world. And that's my point. In the modern art world, there may be some great people there that are doing work that truly does evoke great, and we'll go through the, th- the three things that you and I believe are necessary for great art, modern or otherwise. But they, there are many people who, in modern art, and it's defined as either being modern in the sense that it's happening more or less now, or the past hundred years if you want, um, or modern in the sense that it's a different style what we think of as, as modern art, that it's not representational art. So, yeah, you know, it's good that they're doing this other work. They're trying to get a job. But, but very pe- few people who are doing serious paintings, like uh, Tom Kincaid, I think, was one of them, or Maxfield Parrish, these guys who are relatively modern, you know, they, they got a lot of attention. But there are very few of those out there that are doing fantastically beautiful artwork mm-hmm. That is what is known as representational artwork that are getting any attention. Yeah, and there's a guy uh, named Wyland, for instance. If you've seen those beautiful uh, whale and seascape views, many of them are in um, public places. Right, I like them. Those are quite beautiful. beautiful. And that's an example of modern art. But there's something non-elitist about Kincaid and Wyland, and that's sort of my point about music. If you go into modern classical music you have the same problem you have with modern art. Yes. At the high end of the scene, it becomes unlistenable, atonal, arrhythmical trash. Right. Katy Perry might not float our boat compared to Wilco or Led Zeppelin. Fine. Right. But at least it fits the niche of pop music for the masses. Right. But you get into uh, high-end classical gibberish, it becomes the same gibberish for the ears that these bad pieces of art are for the eyes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, but but still, art it has this reputation even more so than anything else. I mean, if you go to, if I were to tell you, hey, Ari, I've got these two tickets at the the Opera House or the the Symphony uh, tonight, you know, your mind races to, okay, who's playing? Is it a Beethoven? Is it Mozart? Is it a Vojak? You know, what what's going on? And opera wise, it might be La Boheme, you know, um, Carmen or something like that. And you you get some classics that that are you know that, that run to mind, but it's not uh, it's not the case when I when I tell you I like modern art, contemporary art. Your mind races right away to crazy things. You well, know, a bunch of like uh, here I'll give you an example. Okay, a bunch of coat hangers that are dangling from uh, the ceiling. Okay. To an extent, but uh, to be fair, I also think of Picassos or. Um, uh, uh, Mondrian's thing, things that fits uh, that might not mean anything, but at least have an element of skill and beauty to them. Well, that's but your point is a point that the Prager University video makes about uh, about modern art and uh, that that it is that the 
masters such as Picasso and Matisse and, and Monet and the Impressionists, generally speaking, they still followed the general rules of art. They, they, they mastered it, they, and they knew what regular art was and how to proceed with that. They were just putting a little spin on it. But then somewhere along the way, it just went haywire. To, to use a musical comparison, um, all the uh, a great, the Beatles, for example, they changed the sound of music, but they still follow the structure of classical music. There's the uh, beginning part, I forget, Dante, Allegro, and, and Adagio. The, the, the whole the notion of a bridge is what the Beatles really brought into modern-day rock and roll, for example. And they still follow the, the rules of music, that the, the, the chords that must be mathematically sensible. Otherwise, your mind doesn't enjoy it. And, and then putting aside, of course, lyrics and such. But the music itself must fit into a decent pattern that's palatable and enjoyable. If they don't do that, you don't have a good, a good sound. And certainly not a sound that you want to listen to over and over again. And that's, that's the problem in modern art. So yes, there are exceptions. But when your mind thinks about modern art today, you think about crazy stuff. That's the way it is. And that's what I'm speaking to. And I don't, know, I don't want to argue at the margin that there are some out there, modern arts uh, you know, folks, that are really working very hard and they, they spend years putting together these things and they're very exacting and precise. I know that they're out there. But unfortunately, the general rule is that modern art is a big farce. And you're talking about the art that's in major museums, in major public places, like those sculptures of twisted metal that mean nothing. Now, I do have, I believe, an argument that's not on the margins that's quite legitimate, which is this that I think you might be giving ancient art, for lack of a better term, and by ancient I don't mean thousands of years old, I just mean older than the Impressionist era, perhaps too much credit because don't forget there was so much horrible, decadent, indecent, uh, trying to pick my words carefully, but you can let your imagination run to what is completely inappropriate, uh, art that was made for centuries that was displayed in public squares that we don't perceive as ancient <coughs> because so much of it was not did not survive because people didn't value it when they took a harder look at it. So it's not like the good old days were all that good, to quote Billy Joel, right. necessarily. You're, 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 you're pointing, it's a good point, it's a salience point, but uh, the, the, the master, the, the, what people aspire to and what was considered great art was in fact great art. So there are many, just to use a simple example, there were many great sculptures, sculptors at the time of Michelangelo, okay? But the David was probably the very best of the sculptors at the time. He, there were many other sculptors that were trying to do it, but no one would ever just put a block, for example, and say, mine is just as good as Michelangelo's David. They would never say that. They, they would recognize. You know, maybe they were trying the art. Maybe they were putting pretty, pretty good art. Let's say it's A art, but Michelangelo's art, A plus plus. That's the way it is, and it's just not the same now. And and speaking of that, it's an interesting thing. If you do go through art history, and I I studied a little bit of art history. I can't say I'm a master about about it, but I love going to, for example, the Getty uh, Museum, the Getty Center, and they have great works of historical art. And I like to see the transitions. And the transitions are very interesting. You go from the Roman and Greek times, the antiquities, for example, uh, and you see people uh, basically representing art about um, the gods. And then you have, um, of course, 
the, the time of the Bible and Jesus and uh, a lot of representational art, but mostly in the biblical sense. And they will aspire. And you see, you know, Michelangelo, t- you know, uh, sorry, uh, God touching, oh, what's that famous? The Sistine Chapel. The Sistine Chapel, right? It's such a great example of what I'm talking about. Always about God, always about uh, trying to aspire, trying to ascend. And then uh, over time, the art changes a little bit, not necessarily in the quality of the art, but the subject matter of the art. It changes. It changes, let's say, to everyday life, to um, a historical moment, uh, but maybe some a family in the picnic, having a picnic, or maybe a wartime scene, or maybe just a sunset. And, and that's fine. They're beautiful, and they're, they evoke notions of beauty all the time. But then you go further in time, and you start seeing that those, even those paintings start uh, dropping the exactness that used to be there, the, the incredible effort to really capture life and light in a, in a way that you just don't see anymore. No one captures, tries to capture the, 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 the brilliance of light and, and the magic of life uh, out of the human being uh, like they used to. So it, it starts descending. And the Impressionism, I, I like Impressionism. I think it's kind of cool. It's not my favorite kind of art, but I still consider it art. But you can already see it's not the same exactness as Venus de Milo, for example, or um, even, well, the, the Mona Lisa, of course, is such a classic example, or Michelangelo's David. These are true efforts to, to, to work very hard, and the Sistine Chapel, and the, the attention to detail, the desire to get it 100% right, uh, not just to please other people, but to please yourself, to say that you've, you've mastered this particular issue. And you just don't see that anymore. And it's um, now offline, you, you asked me, what is my favorite kind of art? And, and I would say it, it, it does fall within the classics. I think Renaissance art, um, the time of Leonardo da Vinci's time, was really so exquisite. Um, the Last Supper and uh, Animal Lisa, you know, paintings with, with life in them that, that, that are extremely exquisite, and you can see every toe and toenail, for that matter, and uh, the, the attention and the love that they pour into these artworks. It's just, my, my daughter and I were at the Louvre um, just a couple of months ago, and it's just so, it just overtakes you. It's so beautiful. Okay, now here's another question. This gets uh, more granular, which is, what's the favorite type of art you would have in your home? Because a lot of times, your favorite art, a da Vinci, wouldn't be appropriate to hang in your home for various reasons, including theft, being able to protect it. It might not be the subject matter you want to be looking at while you're sitting watching TV or dinner. In other words, you understand that different artists for different environments. So what yes. would you have in your home? Well... <clears throat> let's let's uh, talk ideally, about I'm yeah, saying, I, I, you know, ideally, price not being an option. Price not being an option. I'm not worried about things being stolen. I, I would love classical art. There's no issue there at all. Um, and my the art that I desire is not so much art that is famous because it's famous. In other words, I wouldn't need the Mona Lisa. I wouldn't need the Last Supper. I But I would love great art, even by an unknown artist. Because to me, it's, it's pleasing to the eye. It makes, it's evocative of ideas and the quest to find God. That's, that's what I, I require. How about that? Yeah. Okay, now we were talking a little while ago. I guess it's my show now. <laughs> right. Um, 
uh, about the different qualities um, of uh, of art that that make or differentiate good from bad because not everything has to be Mona Lisa or Last Supper quality. Obviously, um, you know a Mondrian doesn't take nearly the work a, uh, a Da Vinci does, even though it can be pleasing to look at. Well, what were those three or four qualities that you think? differentiate or need to be in place for a piece of art that's, say, abstract or modern to not be complete doggy do. I think it needs to reflect hard work. That's the number one. It's foundational. I I need to see tremendous effort in the the work itself. In the same way that I I believe that there's tremendous work in Mozart's Einmal Kleine Nachtmusik. I know it's very hard to have made that music, or uh, the, the, the Symphony 41, um, or Bach, or, or Mozart, uh, or uh, Beethoven. Um, by the way, one of my favorites is uh, Dvořák's New World Symphony. Um, just beautiful how it all gets put together. Hard work is number one. And number two is that it, uh, it, it talks about a very important subject matter. Uh, something that is that speaks to everybody and at the same time is, is trying to um, bring out an idea. So, for instance, in that vein, some of the abstract art in Israel, I believe at the Yad Vashem, that's evocative of the horrors of the Holocaust, might be twisted metal and modern art in what it actually is medium-wise, but what it means has a transcendent meaning beyond right. the simplicity of materials and shape, perhaps. Right. That, that aspect of that modern art, it, you know, it falls well within the three components that we're talking about, we're about to talk about. So number two, which is the, the notion of providing something with meaning, is very critical. Even if it doesn't have beauty. Even if it doesn't have beauty. Even, even if there's not hard work to it. I mean, I, I, I don't mind, I don't know, for example, um, imagine, if you will, um, barbed wire. Yeah, or a and piece of the September 11th. Hang on. Tale. Imagine, if you will, barbed wire um, and twisted in a kind of double helix sort of way like DNA, right? And uh, to, to evoke either the Holocaust, you know, that out of, out of the Holocaust there was still humanity within it. That's okay? good. I'm going to go do that. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'll, that'll cost you only a million dollars today. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, that's something I thought about, okay? And um, th- that would be kind of cool. And it has meaning. It makes you think in that one way. But hard work, no. That, was not, that would not be hard work to do. And I certainly wouldn't expect millions of dollars as a result of that artwork. The final thing that I think that uh, great art really needs to have is that it must ascend it it, uh, it cannot descend us. It cannot even just talk about uh, something that's a plain political issue, for example, or just even a historical um, time period. It has to it has to make you realize that God is present. It somehow has to ascend us and make you think upward and how to be the better person that you can be. I know it seems related to the meaning part of it, but I'm. But the meaning part is simply says that it has to have a meaning. And then now the third prong is that the meaning has to have ascendance to it as well. So hard work, meaning, and ascendance in the meaning is all very much required. And it's not that any of those elements have to be present at the same time. It's any one of those would qualify something as good enough. No, I, I, I think every piece of artwork that I would love, that I consider true art, 
um, would have to have all those three things. Well, forget what you love. Let's look at it in the in the opposite of the equation. Something that you don't look on with contempt. Because right. you started this podcast by saying you look on this branch of yes. art with contempt. That's true. So I, I think both sides of the argument should be explored. I, I agree. If it does have at least one of those three things, then I, d I certainly don't look at it with contempt. If it lacks all three things, and worse yet, if the meaning is descendant, like the the, the, the statue of the policewoman, you know, urinating thing in the corner. Uh, that to me is is the exact opposite of work uh, of art. Okay, and and. You can even in that example, even if it took a long time to to create that uh, sculpture, I would still say that it's not art, because um, it's hard work is necessary but not sufficient to constitute art. Um, again, and and, and meaning, uh, sorry, ascendance is can be sufficient. It can be, but usually speaking, it's necessary. And I would add a fourth thing, and this is my personal taste, which Please. is beauty or pleasant to look at. Oh, is, wow. There's a wide range of what beautiful is. For instance, some of those canvases that you said are monochromatic. You may not see the work on the canvas itself. I've seen artists do monochromatic canvases, and the work is actually getting the perfect tone of color in the mixture of paint. And once they achieve it, then the whole canvas becomes it. See, you as the viewer don't understand the work was done before the application of the paint to the canvas. And the color they might have achieved, a beautiful, say, in my taste, say, a cobalt blue of perfect resonance, can be a very beautiful thing to look at. It might not look like it took hard work. It might not have precision or effort. But just being beautiful, for me, is uplifting and enough. And beauty being having a wide defi definition from uh, Mona Lisa or Last Supper beauty all the way down to just pleasant to look at, it would be the fourth component. That as, as long as it's there, it redeems the piece of art from being viewed with contempt. Yeah. Uh, look, beauty is a, is a nice way of, uh, you know, attracting people to your artwork. Making it pleasant to look at is a very powerful thing. It's just like music, generally speaking. Um, one of my favorite songs, for example, is Hey Jude from the Beatles, right? Here's a song that has all three of those things that we're talking about. It took hard work just to arrange everything the way that it did. It's, it, and um, it is uh, meaningful and it's ascendant in its meaning. Um, take a sad song and make it better uh, and then letting it out and letting it in. And, and it's about, you know, moving forward. It's a beautiful concept. And the song itself is beautiful. The melody is, is gorgeous. So it, it, it truly brings, I think that's a good element, the beauty element of it. Um, it's not necessary. You can have great artwork that is, in, in some sense, ugly. Um, like a great story. Uh, one of the stories I can think of is, um, I don't know, Apocalypse Now. It's a, it's a very ugly story in many ways. Um, and there's a lot of ugliness in it. But it's, a, an, it's an incredibly good piece of art. It, it does make you think. It's ascendant in many ways. Um, and it's certainly hard work behind it. Godfather is another good example of that, right? Not beautiful, but it's a powerful story. So, um, but beauty is a great way to, to bring people into art. Yeah, and that's the other reason why I ask you, what would you want in your home? Because if someone said, if the Louvre said, hey, we're getting rid of some stuff. We got this last <laughs> suffer. Would you like it? You might not want to look at something so... Overwhelmingly and um, yeah, no, I, I, at all times you might yeah. want to just look at the orange canvas in the morning during your breakfast yeah. cereal. That time. that you wouldn't have to worry. I definitely do not want to look at the orange canvas. I would look and then I'll wrap it up. I would look at um, 
great images of light, a Maxfield Parrish type stuff. Um, and I would look at um, things of nature, generally speaking, things of biblical history. Uh, I always loved that. And things that helped me aspire. That's really it. And it doesn't have to be big either. And sculptures to some extent also. I love antiquities. It just it, it reminds me of how how far away we are in time from where the, the time was, and yet at the same time, how we are connected to that time period. Anyway, I hope you've uh, enjoyed this. Art is such a passion of both of ours, and it, it's meaningful, and we need to study it, and we need to understand why we even love art at all. And I put it to you, those four things that we discuss together really uh, is, is what makes us, in some ways, human. I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you real soon.